Moncrief on News Talk. You are listening to The Moncrief Show on Newstalk 087-1400-106 is our WhatsApp number. Joanna Fortune joins us once again uh, for Parenting Afternoon, Joanna. Afternoon, Sean. Uh, right. Our family dog died just before Christmas. It has devastated our family. She was with us for 13 years. And our three kids have only known a home with her. They're 10, 7 and 5. The two older girls want to get another dog because the house seems so quiet. But our five-year-old is distraught at the thought of it. She gets very upset saying we're replacing Millie, the dog who died, and that Millie uh, will know we replaced her because she'd see it from doggy heaven. Mm. She believes that Millie is still watching over us because of what she's seen in movies, etc. We now find ourselves torn between what the rest of the family wants and not upsetting our youngest even further. Do we just go ahead with it? Include her in the prospect of adopting another dog in the assumption that she'll be okay with it when the time comes? Or do we wait a while longer until she's ready and put her needs above those of the sisters? Oh, Mm. I mean... I don't know mm. if I want to pick either of those questions at the end. I yeah. don't think it's a matter of you going ahead because do not make the assumption that she will be okay. I yeah. absolutely wouldn't. She's actually being very clear in telling you she won't be okay with this. So I would believe her. And I don't think waiting is the same as saying we're putting her needs before her sister's needs. So, I mean, look, before any of that, I'm so sorry for your loss. I think the loss of a family pet is huge, particularly... And just before Christmas. Oh, the God. time. And there's no yeah. good time, but that's a yeah. particularly difficult time. This And this dog has been a member of your family for 13 years. So Millie was a family dog. That's how I'd look yeah, at it. Yeah. And I think it's important that you wait until everyone is ready for a new family dog. That means just because some of you are ready quicker doesn't mean that the person who's not ready has to kind of suck it up, get on board with this. Actually, everyone needs to slow down a bit for that person to catch up. And in this case, it's still very early days. This is a very recent loss for you all, but especially your five-year-old who's really struggling with it. And at five years old, they still don't have that sense of the permanence of death. So I'm hearing that in how she's saying, you know, Millie will see us from doggy heaven. Millie will feel betrayed. So she's still speaking about Millie as having this attachment, connection and feelings in a very live sense. So she's grieving. And, you know, the risk of going ahead regardless is your youngest child may reject a new dog may actually Mm. turn again. And that's a whole other discussion to have. What I would say is dogstrust.ie have a really nice resource page on their website on pet grief. And they write about it really well about, you know, what is it like to lose a pet and how normal it is to have a grieving process and to really experience it at a deep level. I think it would be useful to have a look at that. And even reach out to them and see have they extra resources for children. I think yeah. that could be really helpful. I would say, and we've mentioned this book, Sean, time and again in other contexts. You know, the Patrice Karst book, The Invisible String. Mm. Well, she also has a book called The Invisible Leash. That is, you guessed it, specifically about grief yeah. around losing a pet. Yeah. And the pet in that book is, well, I think that book is applicable if you've lost any family pet. It is about a dog. And I think given your little one is locating Millie in doggy heaven and is thinking about the doggy looking, I actually think the invisible leash could be a really beautiful story to read with her and give her some time to think about how her and Millie will always be connected by this invisible leash no matter what and give her a little bit of time to think about 
and new pet yeah. and how Millie would want everybody happy. And you can go down that route. But I think, you know, also be aware that, you know, I get it, by the way, another way of expressing grief is the other girls are saying, look, the house is too quiet. Let's make fill it with noise. Mm. I get it. But I think you've got to slow down a little bit. This is so raw, so recent for everybody. Yeah. Let the littlest one catch up a bit and just take your time with it. I think it's great. And you can always keep the conversation open about how one day we will be getting a new member yeah. of our yeah. family. Yeah. Like I wouldn't drop the conversation entirely, but it doesn't have to be now. And we're doing yeah. it in the next few weeks. Because it sounds like one of those things that she's grieving, she's feeling it mm. and therefore no Logical argument's going to make not much difference at the moment. No, you're not going to reason with her. There yeah. is no reasoning. It, it's just that raw emotion. And she really just needs time and space to process the yeah. loss of, of Millie. And, you know, encouraging her to talk about the dog, to talk about memories and how much she loved Millie. All of you, not just your five-year-old, but really giving her that space. And I think that's why a book can be really helpful at framing a conversation and giving you a language that's going to enable you to talk through it. Because this is, you know, I'm thinking as well, uh, as parents, you had this dog before you had children. Yeah. You yeah. know, the loss is massive for everyone in the family. So when we're struggling with our own grief, it's very difficult to sit down and have a conversation with your five-year-old without everyone getting distressed and upset. Mm. And if that happens, it happens. It's okay to cry when something is sad and you're modeling that with her, but allowing her some time to talk about Millie, letting her know we need more time. You're letting us know you need more time. And one day we will get a new dog in our family. My husband moved abroad for work after Christmas. He's going to be away for the next year and we are trying to make the adjustment to a new family life. We've two sons, age six and eight, and we want to make sure they have as much contact as possible with their dad while he's away. My husband FaceTimes each evening after dinner and while the eight-year-old will chat away to his dad, my six-year-old won't engage with the FaceTime calls at all. He told me he finds them boring. For the next year, this is the only form of com communication my son will have with his dad. How do I get him engaged with the phone calls? Even though he doesn't say it, I can tell my husband is finding this very hard. Oh, it is very hard. It's yeah. hard for everybody. And I think, you know, you have to, it, you can see this in your own home with the difference between your six-year-old and your eight-year-old's capacity to engage in a phone call. You know, six years old is very young for phone calls. They yeah. generally don't find them exciting. It's like, yeah, what? Yeah, yeah. And they're gone. <laughs> because it's it's not as the same as being in the room. And six-year-olds aren't renowned for sitting down and telling you all their news no. anyway yeah. at the end of the day, even if you were at the dinner table with them. So while we know young children don't, let's say, don't typically enjoy talking mm. on the phone, you can try to set him up with a story or a funny thing that happened. So you can say before dad is calling, you can say, what story could you tell dad when he rings? Yo, you could tell him that thing you were telling me about so-and-so in the yard and what happened. Mm. That's it. So not only am I have a chat with dad, it's your turn. Hi, how are you? It's all very vague. It's, hi, this is what happened today. And you'll have that few, story, that few minutes mm. of a story out of him. And then I would let him off the phone actually. Yeah, yeah. And so that there, it isn't forced, but you can also role play this at home. You could say, let's practice what you're going, what story you're going to tell dad. I know it sounds very contrived, but it could be a way that he's able to manage the phone call. Dad is getting the connection and the story. And actually this will grow and extend as he gets used to it. I'm thinking like you've said here, dad is going to be away for a year. And that's a lot of stress on a family, yeah, you know, yeah. in general. 
and it's they've it's only just begun. Let's say it's, you know it's it's happened mm. since Christmas. Time is very abstract to young children. A year, a month, a week, ten minutes. I mean, yeah, it's all arbitrary, yeah. really. And he may not appreciate the value of these phone calls because dad's going to be away for a year in the way that you do. Mm. Because he's like, oh, I'll tell him when I see him. Yes. You know, <laughs> so you have to yeah. help him with this is mm. what I'd be thinking. And, you know, it is hard, but it's hard for a little guy to try and manage this on the phone as well. What I would say is let your eight-year-old do all the chats and banters, mm. give him a little bit of practice, prep him with a little story that he can tell, leave it at that. But I'm going to ask as well that as well as the phone calls, because FaceTime, it's amazing. Technology is such a good way of staying connected at times like this. But you could also ask dad to regularly send cards to each of the boys, separate envelopes addressed to them. So exciting to get something in your name at six, mm. eight years old in the post. It's exciting at my age. <laughs> Never mind at six or eight. <laughs> well, that's um, not a bill. <laughs> well, yes, very good point. But, you know, you could have him do that. And I don't know where dad is, but maybe there's a chocolate bar that's local to the area that he could put in the envelope and mm. send them send photos, send videos. You could also have your little guy, because I'm thinking if these phone calls are happening at dinner time, it's not when a six-year-old is at their chatty, peaky desk. Yes, it's true. So yeah. if your six-year-old is bursting with a story after school, video it mm. and send that. And then dad can send a message back or in the phone call say, oh my goodness, your mom told me about this story. Hilarious. And yeah. can relate it back. But you can have the connection in many ways outside of a FaceTime call at dinner time. Yeah. I wonder, could they, is there some sort of game they could play on an ongoing basis? Or could he read them a story and then, you know, Absolutely. if they both have a copy of the book, he, the, the six-year-old Anything like, like that yeah. would be good. And I think, you know, if there's a book your six-year-old is really into, you know, whatever, Horrid Henry or whatever is being read at the moment, um, dad could have a copy of that and read a few pages of the chapter you're reading, like pick mm. up every day where it is and read to him. It doesn't have to be conversation. Yes, yeah. Singing a song, having like just silly time, pulling funny faces at each other. Even if it's yeah. two minutes of just being ridiculous, it's a connection. And I think that's how six-year-olds communicate. They communicate through play. Mm. So playing is a great idea. Yeah. Uh, someone suggests set up the call on Zoom through your smart TV. It works brilliantly. I oh, suppose yeah. it have a much bigger screen Yeah, then, and it's so a bit more be. exciting because they think yeah. you're on TV. Yeah. 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 Right. Next question. God, I, we, I don't think we've had this one before, mm. but uh, it's a complicated one. My husband and I have a three-year-old little boy who was born through surrogacy. He doesn't know that. And we hadn't really thought we'd need to tell him so soon. However... We are going to have another baby, baby via surrogacy later this year. It's very exciting and we are thrilled. But we now have to explain that to our son so he knows what to expect. And we think we should use the time to also explain that he was born with help as well. Rather than waiting to tell him when he's older, is this the right thing to do? Is he too young to understand that it was his story too? I mean, lovely. Congratulations. Yeah. That is very exciting. And no, I think as soon as you're going to be mentioning how this baby is coming into your family. So it is the time. And really, I don't think there's such a thing as a wrong time to have a conversation mm, with a child. Yeah. Once you pitch it at their developmental level and you're staying within the realm of I'm giving you facts and then I'm going to wait and see how that lands. And as you have a question, I'm going to come back in. And so I would always tend to tell children the truth, mm. developmental 
appropriate. Yes, of course. Truth. Yeah. But I would. And I don't think at three he's too young because, frankly, it's a conversation you'll be returning to and growing up with your children as mm. they grow up. It's going. It's part of your family story. It's part of your family formation. So I think you could absolutely talk about it. And I, with children, like I know people might be listening going, ah, yeah, but he's three. How do you do that? I'd be thinking more along the lines of keeping it like a story. You know, there are three things we need to have a baby. You need an egg, you need sperm and you need a special place the baby grows. It's like a room in the body called a womb. Three of those things are needed. And we've got somebody who's helping us with the third part or again, anyone listening in any kind of assisted um, conception, any part that you can say, well, Mm. we have two of those parts or we've one of those parts and this is why we're getting help. And so a very kind person is helping us to have our baby by letting the baby grow in their womb. And that's also how you were grown. A three-year-old is probably going to look at you and go, wow, great, and move on. Yeah, But yeah. you've started the conversation and you can return to it. Be really aware in your family, though, that when you start telling your young child stories like this, they are disinhibited and will tell others those stories. Yes. So, <laughs> you know, you do also want to be aware of how do you want that handled with friends, family, anyone else in your life. So just be very mindful that five, three, four, five-year-olds aren't renowned for the boundaries <laughs> around things like that. Play dates will be, uh, you know, my daddies! <laughs> well, you know, and it comes up, but I do think, you know, there are, uh, aren't there always, but there are a couple of books. Now, I would say with books on a niche topic like this, make sure you get them and read them yourself and make sure they fit within your own belief system, mm, your own yeah. way you want to talk about it. But there's one called The Very Kind Koala by Kimberly Kluger bell. There is one that's around quite a while, I think, called Grown in Another Garden by Crystal Falk. She has a few books actually in this area. And there's The Kangaroo Pouch by Sarah Phillips, all covering surrogacy suitable for three years old up. But again, please read those yourself before you read them to your child because you might go, oh no, I wouldn't say it that way. Use it, in other words, just as a framework within which you can, you know, knit your own narrative. Yeah. Now, just going back to uh, the six-year-old who isn't really engaging on the FaceTime calls of his dad who's away for a year. Uh, My daughter is living in the UK, but plays Scrabble with her dad in Ireland. Love it. Uh, Another text that says, uh, my now husband and I used to watch films together while we were separated for a year and a half during COVID. It's amazing how with the lights off, it feels like you're beside the person especially when you hear each other laugh at the same bits. God, that's desperately romantic, actually. (laughs) Facebook Messenger video calls has games you can play with each other during the call. That's the only way my son and niece will stay on the phone with family abroad. So and you can do a bit you. of screen doodling and yeah. write and give each other funny moustaches and beards. There are different things you can do yeah. with video calls. Yeah, for sure. Right. So finally, back to a classic. Our three-year-old is very specific and demanding about the way in which and indeed the order in which her nighttime routine happens. She insists on doing her last pee of the day halfway through her bedtime story. Then we have to play I Spy, then chat about our day, then do the tucking in before finally ensuring the light is just right. Sometimes we find this endearing, of course, but I am concerned that she is obsessional about how things are done, as it has to be done the same way each evening. Any advice? Welcome. I mean, it's working. You yeah, know, I don't yeah. hear anywhere in this that she's not going to sleep. So I think this is good. I also think it sounds like she has her own routine within their sleep routine. Yes. And I think she's very clever, actually. I yeah. think you have a smart yeah. kid on your hands. And it sounds like, you know, structure, predictable, manageable is what she's going for. So 
If it's working, I would go with it. I wouldn't worry about this at all. I mean, it might be an issue if she had to stay somewhere else and she's quite, you know, rigid almost in it's this, 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 then this. You know, Mm. if she had to stay in grandparents or somebody else's house while you were away, that might be a bit of a challenge. But I actually think wanting a routine to be ordered, consistent, predictable is not the same as being obsessional. Yes. Yeah. And they're very different. A routine by nature is repetitive. It's why everyone wants them around sleep for their children. Because if you break down how you approach sleep with her, you're probably being quite obsessional too, if you were mm. to look at it that way. An obsession is, you know, look, an obsession can become a ritual. A ritual can become an obsession, depending on how you look at it. But often would have anxiety around it. It has to be this way or yeah, I won't yeah. cope. This sounds more like she's taking a little bit of control and charge of her sleep routine and it's happening on her terms. And I would think if she's this fixed solely on her sleep routine and you're not seeing any evidence of rigidity in around food or around clothing, or around anything else, I would say that's fine. Yeah. Now, I, mean, I like the idea of going for a pee halfway through know, the story. I know, hold that thought. A little intermission yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. And also it means that she's getting to come back to the rest of the story. Yes, yeah. And then the last thing she's hearing, so it's not like she gets her story and then she's toddling off to the toilet. It it, it actually might suit. I actually like, I could see the reason why she would do that. It makes sense, actually. Yeah. Uh, well, I suppose maybe the parent is kind of wondering, will she be like this forever? Or they hadn't seen any sign of change in in the sense of yeah, this particular and, I mean, routine, she is, which is only three. Uh, well, that's the point. So she's not at an age where we would expect her to self-regulate her emotions or behaviours. She's very much co-regulating. And what she's done is taken the frame of your routine and made her own little adaptations mm. within it. But she hasn't changed the routine ultimately. I do think this is a bit of mastery at work. You know, she's just like, well, I'll call the shots, but they're fine. Sometimes we have to, you know, I always think you pick your battle, Sean, especially with young kids this age. And if they need a bit of control in an area and you're like, you know, it's no big deal. Let it go. Yeah. Let go. We all love control in our lives. Mm. So three-year-olds have so little opportunity for it that I actually think she's decided, well, I'll be going to bed and you'll be doing X and Y. And so I'm now going to put in this little bit. I love the I spy and then chatting about the day. Like, it's actually quite a lovely little routine. It is. Though, actually, the I spy uh, leapt out at me. I think that's what's really going on here. The parent is going... There's nothing left in the room. <laughs> yeah. We've done it. I spy sounds, I spy <laughs> colours, I spy smells. You can exhaust your eye spy. <laughs> yes, God help them. Uh, right, okay, that's a, a, that's a lot for parenting today, Joanna. Thanks, Thanks a million so much. Uh, as ever. Moncrief, weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.